sincere or as real as it should have been. Now, as we enter into this Advent season, we pray that the love would find its beloved and from you receive grace to make it pure again, warm and real. We bring to you our gratitude for every token of your love, for all the ways you have heaped blessings upon us during the years that have gone. And we do pray, Lord Jesus, that as we begin the week, the journey towards Advent, the journey towards Christmas, this time of expectation, we pray that we would do so in a manner that is pleasing to you. May all we do and say, every tribute of our hearts, bring honor to your name, that we, your people, may remember your birth, feel your presence among us even yet. May the loving kindness of this Advent season be the true guide Lord, may the spirit of Christmas not only creep into our hearts this season, but there abide, so that not even the return to earthly cares and responsibilities, not all the festivities of our own devising may cause it to creep away weeping. May the joy and spirit of Christmas remain with us now and forever. In the name of Jesus, who came to save his people from their sins, even in that lovely name we pray. Amen. Amen. A couple of quick announcements before we really get started. Um, first of all, in your bulletins, there are some important announcements, specifically some about um, this Advent season that we are kind of launching today um, that will officially launch next Sunday. Um, we'll be doing Advent things in Sunday school at 9 a.m. as well as in the service at 10.30. Um, so be sure to join us for that. Um, and there's also a a notice of we are having a Christmas Eve service this year. Um, some of the details will be uh, forthcoming, but for now, um, be sure to mark your calendars to be here on the evening of Christmas Eve. The evening of the eve of Christmas. Um, and also, we have, um, like we had last year, these family advent guides that are available for you and your families, regardless of what age you are. Um, some ways that you can be meeting with um, those loved ones around you, whether they are blood relatives or um, friends that are as close as family, um, to be journeying through Advent, all of us together, um, week by week, with this family Advent guide. So there are some of these out on the table um, in the fellowship hall here, and we will have more available next week as well as we officially kick off Advent. Um, so be sure to grab one of these on your way out or on your way in next week. Um, and... And once again, um, as we say almost every week, there are prayer requests that are in your bulletin. Um, there's a sheet of prayer requests um, and some very important people to us that we want to keep in our prayers um, at, the, at the front of our prayers throughout this next week. Um, and now I would like you to all stand, even though our service is a little bit different, we still have our community lifetime, our community queue time where we get to be in community with one another. Um, so we have a question for you this morning to talk about when do you decorate for Christmas? When do you decorate for Christmas? We won't judge, but when do you decorate for Christmas? The day after Thanksgiving. I decorate for Christmas
You may be seated. All right, so just, just by way of forewarning, we're singing a lot today. Um, you may stand during the music, but you'll be up and down a whole lot if you, if you do choose to do that, but that's your choice. But in general, we're going to be sitting. I will probably be sitting with for most of the music unless they tell me to stand up. I listen to them. Um, so just I'm just putting it out there. Okay, so... Feel free to stand up during the songs. Feel free to do whatever you need to do during the songs, but there's a lot of them today, okay? All right. So, let me get to the right place in my... All right. So, as we begin the Christian year, Christmas year... Uh... <laughs> okay. I'm going to try again. I don't know, a little hyped up this morning. So, as we begin the Christian year, which traditionally begins on the first Sunday of Advent... We celebrate the holy season known as Advent. It's a time of year when we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Messiah. Advent itself means coming. And so we celebrate these days of Advent in expectation and in preparation for Christ's arrival. Through the centuries, Christians have observed the time of waiting and expectation before celebrating the birth of the Savior at Christmas. The Advent season is a time for reflection and preparation, but its mood is joyful. Advent has been enriched by Christian tradition to reflect its distinctive Christian meaning. It proclaims the revelation of God's love as expressed in Christ's birth in the humble stable, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his victorious resurrection. It points to the hope of Christ coming again as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. Advent makes innkeepers of us all, asking each of us to make room for the arrival of Christ the King. So let us today prepare him room in our hearts, in our lives, and in our homes. Let's sing. i 
star in the sky, carols in the evening air, a candle in the window, a wreath on the door, mistletoe hung high, poinsettias aflame with brilliant color, gifts beneath the lighted tree, friends around the the holiday table, families reunited in love, church bells ringing. This is Christmas. Though similar to Christmas celebrations in other countries, we have our own traditions and our own flair, rich treasures of custom and tradition that are woven into a pattern with our own threads, giving to us the colorful pageantry of our Christmas celebration. Let us listen to the lessons of the years and the centuries, not just to impressions of the moment. The images of the present in the biblical story are often discouraging. War and hate Famine, epidemics, a Caesar on his throne, a Paul in prison, Christians being persecuted. But now, after the centuries, the Caesar is gone. Paul is a symbol of faith. And Jesus, the truth and the light, is reaching out to every nation. Let us, through the great traditions of our faith, join with the shepherds of Bethlehem, the wise men from the east, and the seekers throughout the ages to welcome the one who came at Christmas. Let us at Christmastide bring our gifts to him, and may the message of our songs be glory to God in the highest, peace and goodwill to peoples everywhere. Joy, glory. 
I have to stand for that song. I cannot support it with my breath without doing that. (laughs) The most striking and the most universal feature of Christmas is the use of evergreens in our churches and homes. Among ancient Roman evergreens were the emblem of peace, joy, and victory. The early Christians placed evergreens in their windows to indicate that Christ had entered the home. Holly and ivy, along with pine and fir, are called evergreens because they never change color. They are evergreen, ever alive, even in the midst of winter. They symbolize the unchanging nature of our God, and they remind us of everlasting life that is ours through Christ Jesus. Under Christian thought and sentiment, holly became widely used in church celebrations. Holly was considered as the burning bush, or a symbol of Mary's whose being glows with the Holy Spirit. The red berries represented the blood drops from the cruel thorns on the crown of Jesus. In Isaiah 60, 13, we find these words. The glory of Lebanon shall come into you, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautifully place, to beautify the place of your sanctuary. Our forefathers called the procuring of these evergreens, bringing home Christmas.
the Christmas tree is the center of our festivities. Glittering with lights and ornaments, it is part of the beauty and the meaning of the Christmas season. There are several legends and stories about the Christmas tree. The first use of the Christmas tree was in, in the medieval German paradise plays held outdoors and portraying the creation of humankind. The tree of life was a fir decorated with apples. Later on, other ornaments were hung upon them, such as paper flowers or gilded nuts. In England, branches or whole trees were forced into bloom indoors for Christmas. From these beginnings, the use of the tree at Christmas was established. From these, Martin Luther was perhaps the first to use a lighted tree. The story that is told, on one Christmas Eve, Martin Luther wandered outdoors and became enraptured with the beauty of the starred sky. Its brilliance and its loveliness led him to reflect on the glory of the first Christmas Eve as seen in Bethlehem's radiant skies. Wishing to share with his wife and his children the enchantment that he had felt, he cut from the forest an evergreen glistening with snow, took it home. He placed upon it candles to represent the glorious heavens that he had seen. The use of candlelight lighted tree spread to all of Europe, then to America, and came to regard it as a central ornament of Christmas. Most Christmas greenery reflects European traditions, but one colorful plant, which looks like a flaming star, the poinsettia, is a native to the American continent. It was named after Dr. Joel Robert Poinsett, an ambassador to Mexico who first introduced it to the United States in 1828. The people of Mexico and Central America call the brilliant tropical plant the flower of the holy night. The poinsettia is a many-pointed star that has become a symbol of the Star of Bethlehem. I wonder 
visual and performing arts have always been important ways to communicate the Christian faith. The use of music has helped believers understand their godly hope. Other forms of visual art have been used from the beginning to help express various aspects of Christian doctrine and life. Colors, altar pyramids or coverings, and banners are some of the most important visual ways that Christians have used to express their faith in worship. The objective in covering the communion table with cloths of various colors was to help focus the attention of worshipers on the special nature of Christ as the perfect sacrifice. In the early days of Christian worship, Advent and Christmas were seen as a somber time, much like Lent is today. Purple table coverings were used to speak of Christ's kingship, but the mood was somber. As Christians began to share their celebration of Christmas with their non-Christian neighbors, they began to focus on the joy of the Christmas event. As the emphasis of Christmas began to change to one of joyful celebration, the color used also changed to express Christ the King in that more happy way. While purple is still used in some churches and at certain times, many occasion or many Christian churches now use blue to speak of the kingship of Christ when the, the occasion is joyful. At Advent, we wait with anticipation and with celebration for our coming Christ, and so our hearts sing, O come, Emmanuel. But first, Landon, would you come and help me? I believe a change of color is in order.
Advent is a time of expectation and is symbolized not only by the four-week time of preparation, but also by the lighting of an Advent candle on each Sunday of the season. The flame in each new candle reminds us, the worshipers, that something is happening and yet something still more is to come. The candles are arranged in a circle to remind us of the continuous power of God, which knows neither beginning nor end. There is also symbolism in the colors of the candle. The three purple candles symbolize the coming of Christ from the royal line of David. He is the coming king of kings as well as the prince of peace. The pink candle is to be lighted on the third Sunday of the Advent season. This candle represents joy. The large white candle in the center is known as the Christ candle and points to Jesus as the Christ, the light of the world. A progression is noted in the lighting of the candles of the Advent wreath each Sunday. Each candle symbolizes various aspects of our waiting experience. The culmination of the season comes as we light the Christ candle on Christmas Eve. We join the rejoicing that the promise long ago has been fulfilled. One of the most heartwarming expressions of Christmas is the nativity. The nativity speaks of the mystery of God's wisdom, why God chose to send his son into our world as a baby of humble birth, born in common surroundings we do not know. What we do know is that God reached out to all people, including the poor and the wealthy, the simple and the wise, the powerless and the powerful. All who found him knelt in humility before him, Knowing God is possible because he came to us on our level. Whenever we see a nativity, we find ourselves with Mary and Joseph, with shepherds and with wise men bowing before the manger, overwhelmed by God's expression of love in coming to us. 
Today, we display this nativity in our sanctuary as a reminder of God's expression of love for us in the birth of Jesus Christ. beginning of Christmas celebrations, gift-giving has been a part of the season. The wise men gave out, their, out of their treasures, and the shepherds gave of themselves. Both express the gift of God in giving Christ as the Savior of the world. Unique in our history of generous givers is the story of St. Nicholas, Bishop of Myra in Lycia in the 4th century AD. He is reputed to have been wealthy his emblem being three purses and three golden balls. This was the symbol of rich Italian families of his time. It survives today in the signs of some of our pawn shops. The good bishop gave his money away secretly to those whom he found in need. He was deeply interested in young people, giving his wealth especially to maidens whose lack of a dowry was affecting their matrimonial future and to needy boys. Gifts coming from unknown sources were commonly attributed to him, and parents customarily gave him credit for their gifts to their children. The discovery of his generosity is said to have been made by the father of three dowryless daughters. The eldest two each received from the chimney on successive nights a substantial gift of gold with her name on it. The father father resolved to watch and to see who their generous benefactor could be. His vigil revealed the good St. Nicholas as the donor of the gifts. His name survives today as the human embodiment of unselfish giving. Hanging up our stockings in pleasant anticipation of Santa's gifts may have originated from the fact that the maidens of this bishopric of Myra, needing and expecting a dowry from the good St. Nicholas, suspended a stocking to catch the money purse that the generous bishop was sure to drop down the chimney. Thank you. 
The actual origin of caroling as a part of Christmas celebration is really unknown. Several countries have claimed to be the birthplace of the custom. From the first, music of some kind was part of the church festivals in honor of the birth of Jesus. We know that caroling existed in Germany in the 15th century because Martin Luther wrote that when Christmas was celebrated, he went with others from house to house and village to village singing popular Christmas carols. We could safely assume that caroling was first done by the choir of angels who sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to all people. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace. That makes the nations prove The glories of his righteousness And wonders of his love And wonders of his love And wonders, wonders of his love The greatest gift of Christmas is the gift of God in Christ Jesus. All that we do at this holiday season points to that expression of holy love. Christ came as a babe in Bethlehem, God's gift at Christmas. As Christians, we seek to pass on our heritage to our children and to those who, by faith in Christ, become part of the family of God. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in my life that the gift goes on. And it is always fitting, but particularly at this time of year, that we celebrate together our hope and our common faith in Jesus Christ. Because that is what, indeed, this season is all about. 
as much as we love the gifts and as much as we love the lights and the singing, ultimately what this is about is our celebration of what God has done in Christ, of Emmanuel, who is God with us. So let us pray. Lord God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the gift of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for calling us here into this place as we begin this wonderful season of the year. Lord, we thank you because you have given us hope and given us light. Lord God, we thank you because you have given us salvation. Lord God, we thank you for we know that things did not end on Christmas Day when Christ was born. That that was simply the beginning of that journey of God who is with us that culminates in your ultimate gift to us in giving of yourself that we might have life. And so, Lord God, we come to you in thanks and in praise this morning. Amen. I would encourage you, if you have not gotten your communion elements, they're right outside this door. So if you'd like to partake with us, um, they're available in a, in a tray right outside these double doors in between the doors. The communion supper that we celebrate today was instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a sacrament, a sacrament that proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth our Lord's death until his return. This supper is a means by which God bestows grace upon us, in which Christ is present by the Holy Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Jesus Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in his death and in his resurrection. We come to the table that we might be renewed in life and salvation and that we might be made one by the spirit. And so in unity with the church, we confess our faith that Christ has died, that Christ has risen and that Christ will come again. And so we pray. Holy God, we gather at this, your table, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He ate with sinners and established the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope, Lord God, of his coming again. We remember that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so we gather here today as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to God in praise and in thanksgiving. Lord God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon these, your gifts, that you might make for them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ who was redeemed by his blood. Pour out your Spirit and make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And now I'd ask is that you would join me as the Savior has taught us, praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin us against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. May it preserve you blameless until the everlasting life. Take, eat in remembrance of Christ who died for you and be thankful. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ has died for you and be thankful. As we go today, I pray that you will go with the joy of our Lord's birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection on your hearts. I do want to mention one thing before we go, um, because I've gotten information late that it was not in your bulletin, Um, and that's an update on Janet Walker. Um, Janet Walker has been now placed on comfort care, so she's been moved out of the ICU into comfort care, and that is not great news for us. Um, who were hoping for for a miracle. Um, There's still time. God may still do yet something. Um, But I bring that up this morning so that we can be in prayer for for Ray, um, who obviously is taking this very difficultly, very hard, um, for Janet and Ray's um, children, uh, Mark Walker and his wife Jennifer, and uh, Karen and his wife, or her husband, uh, Jose, um, we really want to be in prayer for the family um, as they are kind of walking through this. They're still in um, Spokane, um, but we want to just keep them in our hearts and our minds as we go forward and as we um, think of the days that are going to be extremely hard for them um, the next couple of days. So, um, so let's uh, be in prayer for that. Uh, let's close with a word of prayer this morning. O God, you have caused on this world to shine with the illumination of your true light. You have given us your only begotten Son to take our nature upon himself to reveal to us your glory and your grace. As you have given this gift of love, may we receive it in joy. Grant that we we who are saved by your Spirit and by this gift be made your children by adoption and grace. May we be daily renewed by your Holy Spirit. Grant us, we pray, that as we have known the mystery of the light upon the earth, so too we may reflect that light in a darkened world through this same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and who reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Would you please stand to receive the blessing? Now may the God who has called us to live in hope and in expectation go with you as you journey in faith towards the new future created by God's love that has dwelt and continues to dwell in us and among us. Go in his grace and go in his peace. You are dismissed. Go and serve the Lord.